Holy Spirit do uh, the work that He needs to do. In Your precious name I pray. Amen. Okay, well, we were, we're there in Genesis chapter number 14. And just uh, by way of introduction, I'd like to review uh, the story. We preached it last week, but just to bring it to your remembrance. Um, if you remember, uh, last week we were looking at Genesis 14. And we were looking at there that there was four kings who came to fight against five kings. Uh, if you, you remember that. And the four kings beat the five kings. And the five kings, part of those five kings were Sodom uh, and Gomorrah. And they took Sodom and they took Gomorrah, the four kings beat six kings on the way down, and then they beat the five kings for a total of eleven kings, and when they had that victory there, they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom. And if you remember, Abram armed uh, 318 of his trained servants born in his own house, and we preached on that last week, and he armed those uh, servants there, and he went down with a few other guys, and uh, they went out and they had that battle with those uh, four kings and they beat them and they came back and, and, and were able to bring back Lot and his family and all the riches there. I'm sure you remember that from last week, the story, God gave Abraham the victory. If, if you look at the verses we read though, verse 18, this is when uh, Abraham was coming back from that victory. He was coming back with all those uh, possessions that he, that he had won and all the people. And, and we're introduced to this character for the very first time in the Bible uh, named Melchizedek. And Melchizedek... Uh, well, look, look at verse 18 again. The Bible says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, uh, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. The Bible says that Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed, so Melchizedek blessed Abraham. And he said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand, and he gave him tithes of all. So the Bible says that Abraham gave Melchizedek tithes of all. And uh, I think it's kind of interesting, um, and I don't think I'm looking into it, uh, but in the story, Abraham's coming down with all these possessions that he won from this battle, and he's coming back with all these people. If you remember, the king of Sodom said to Abraham, he said, you know, uh, in, in verse uh, 21, he, he said unto the king, of, the, and the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said, you know, I don't, I'm not going to take your goods, I don't want you to say that you've made Abram rich, and, and he rejected it, and, and he didn't take anything from the king of Sodom, but it's interesting to me, Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek (laughs) from those things, you know, because he met with Melchizedek first, paid him tithes, then he's, you know, he gave uh, the possessions back to to Sodom, so I thought that was interesting, that has nothing to do with anything, but uh, if you ever have somebody else's money, just tithe off of it, Um, and that'll be a good thing there, so, but he, he meets with Melchizedek, and, and it almost seems like Melchizedek is uh, just this character that pops out of nowhere, and, and um, you know, it just kind of seems odd, like it doesn't go with the rest of the story. But Melchizedek is a very important uh, character in the Bible, and we're going to just uh, study uh, this, this person named Melchizedek in the Bible. I want you to remember a few things. The Bible said that he was the priest of the Most High God, because we're not going to come back to Genesis. We're going to go to Hebrews. In, in fact, just go with me to Hebrews chapter number 5. But I want you to remember, the Bible says in, in Genesis 14, 18, when we meet Melchizedek for the first time, it says that he was the king, the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed Abraham. And also, the Bible says that Abraham gave him tithes of all. So Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Now go with me to. And also, the Bible says he was king of Salem in verse eighteen of Genesis fourteen. And I ask you to go to Hebrews chapter number five. 
Hebrew chapter number 5, and look at verse 1. Before we get into Melchizedek and all that, uh, um, we got to kind of build the foundation. First, I'd like to talk about the, the office of the high priest in the Bible. The office of the high priest in the Bible. Hebrews chapter number 5, and look at verse 1. The Bible says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. So the Bible says that God chose men who were called high priests. And, you know, there was many priests, but there was only one high priest at a time. And God would choose a man and make him the high priest. And he was a high priest. He was taken from men. So he's a human being. And he was ordained for men in things pertaining to God. So he was the one who everything that had to do pertaining to God for men was the one who, who took care of it. You know, God could have chosen an angel. God could have chosen, any, you know, the Bible talks about these beasts that are in heaven. He could have chosen anything. But he chose a man uh, to in order to have him take care of the things for men pertaining to God. If you look at verse 2, it says, Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are about uh, that are out of the way, for that he also is comp- um, compassed with infirmity. So it says that he can have compassion on people because he himself has infirmities. Why is that? Because he's a human being. Because he's a man. Look at verse 3. And by reason hereof, so he says, because this man who was from among men, who was ordained for men and things pertaining to God, who can have compassion on men because he himself has infirmities. He says, by reason thereof, he's saying the, the reason that he himself has these infirmities, it says, he ought also for people so as for himself to offer for sin. So this high priest would, uh, you know, and you can study all about it in the book of Leviticus, but um, they would bring these... They, they would bring the sacrifices to him, and he would have to make a sacrifice for his own sin before he could make a sacrifice for the sins of the people, because he was a human being. Look at verse 4. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So verse 4 tells us, no one could just decide, I want to be the high priest. You have to be called of God. You know, and he says, as was Aaron. Um, There was specific rules that came with being a priest, and especially being with the high priest. And and no one just decided, I'm going to be a high priest. It was someone who was chosen to be the high priest, and they had specific rules. Now go with me to Hebrews chapter number 5, and look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he, referring to God, that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Now I showed you that verse, and we're going to look at it a little more closely later. Uh, we're, uh, we're going to look at some other things here now. But the reason I chose, I, I showed you that is because the Bible says that Jesus Christ was a high priest as well. Now, I'm not going to get into it because we've preached entire sermons on this subject, but the Bible says that Jesus was the Passover lamb. Uh, a few weeks ago we preached a sermon about Jesus being, uh, on a Wednesday night, we preached a sermon about Jesus being the Passover lamb. And, and we've proven that from the Bible and that's very clear in the scriptures. He was given as the sacrifice of the Passover. He was the sacrifice for our sins. He was the Passover lamb. But the Bible tells us that after Jesus was offered as the sacrifice, after he died, and he, you know, he, he was in the, in the grave and he went to hell for three days and ten, three nights, the Bible tells us. 
Then he took on the role of the high priest. And that's what the Bible is referring to in, in Hebrews 5.5. 5. And so he wasn't just a sacrifice. Because the, in the Old Testament, and I wish I had the time to go through it, but it just would take too long. Study it out in the book of Leviticus. But the high priest, there are certain things that have to be done. There are certain qualifications for the Passover lamb. And we went through that. You know, it had to be chosen at a certain time. It had to be a male. It had to be without blemish. It had to be presented. It had to be examined and all those things. But then after it was sacrificed, there are certain things that the high priest had to do with that with that uh, sacrifice, and he had to, uh, you know, kill it in a certain way, he had to burn it in a certain way, he had to clean it in a certain way, he had to take the blood in a certain way, he had to wash his own body, he had to put on specific clothing, he had to put on a new pair of clothing, he had to go into, uh, there was just certain things he had to do when he went into the, the Holy of Holies, and he had to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat of uh, there seven times, and, and those things, and, and, they, and they had to be done in order for the sacrifice to be done correctly, so Jesus wasn't just the Passover lamb, Jesus was also the high priest and performed the actual motions of the high priest in the Holy of Holies in heaven. When God gave Moses the instructions to build the tabernacle, which later became, you know, was the same thing that was made into the temple, um, and gave him those instructions for the, the holy place and the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant and all the different things that went into that tabernacle... God literally showed, the Bible tells us, He showed Moses the, the tabernacle in heaven. There was a tabernacle in heaven. There was a holy of holies in heaven. There was an ark of the covenant in heaven. There was a mercy seat in heaven. And, and, and everything that the high priest did on earth in the Old Testament with that sacrifice, Jesus had to perform those same actions in heaven to give us salvation. And that's what Hebrews 5.5. 5. So Jesus Christ is the high priest. Now... Hebrews deals with Jesus as the high priest because there's a problem with Jesus Christ being the high priest. There's a problem with Jesus Christ being the high priest. Go with me to Hebrews chapter number 7 and look at verse 14. Hebrews 7, 14 says this, For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. So, the Bible tells it, makes it very clear, you know, and, and there's many prophecies that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. Now, in the Old Testament, it's very clear from the, uh, from, from the Old Testament that the only people that were allowed to be priests had to be of the tribe of Levi. They had to be a Levite. And even more than that, to be the high priest, you had to not only be of the tribe of Levi, but you had to be of the specific family of Aaron. And Jesus Christ was not any of those. He was of the tribe of Judah. He was a descendant of David, of King David. So, a Hebrew could look at Jesus Christ and say, He is not a legitimate high priest. And therefore, His sacrifice would be null and void. You know, and the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews. You know, Paul is writing them and trying to explain to them, well, I believe it's Paul, you know, it's a, Supposedly, we don't know who it is, but I think there's sufficient evidence to say it was Paul. But, you know, the writer of Hebrews was writing to the Hebrews and trying to explain to them why these things are so, and why Jesus Christ is who He says He is. But a Hebrew would look, or a Jewish person would look at Paul, at Jesus, and say He was not legit. He could not be the high priest because He was not a Levite. And it's a very, uh, you know, important thing about it. If you remember... Uh, if you can go with me, just go real quick with me the, uh, to 1 Samuel chapter number 13. 1 Samuel chapter number 13, and, and I'll show you an example of how, how important this was in the Bible. 1 Samuel 13 verse 9, the Bible says, And Saul said, Bring hither 
a burnt offering to me, and peace offering, and he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of the offering, uh, of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and thou camest not within the days appointed, and the Philistines gathered themselves together as Michmash. Therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself therefore, and offered a burnt offering. See, Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. And Saul was waiting for Samuel, who was the high priest at the time. And Samuel was supposed to make an offering unto the Lord. And Samuel was late. And Paul got anxious, and Saul got anxious, and Saul decided that he would uh, perform the sacrifice. But the problem is that he wasn't a priest. He wasn't a Levite. And God got so angry at Saul that he literally took the kingdom from him. You know, that was one of the reasons that he took the, 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 the kingdom. If you look at verse 13 in 1 Samuel 13, 13. Uh, then Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Samuel said, look, Saul, you could have been the king of Israel and your, and your sons could have been the king of Israel forever. You know, the Bible says that Jesus will sit on the throne of David at the millennial reign. It could have been the, Saul, the, king, the, the throne of Saul that Jesus was going to sit on. But because he did, you know, this is one of the things he did. He did other things, but he decided that he would offer the burnt offering even though he wasn't the priest. And the Bible says in verse 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be a captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So you can go back with me to Hebrews, but I wanted to show you there that uh, a, 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 a Jewish person would not be incorrect to look at Jesus and, and say, He cannot be the high priest, he's not, he's not a Levite. Because there's a very important thing in the Bible. Only a Levite could perform the, the, the sacrifices, and only a Levite, uh, and, and more specifically, a, someone who's a descendant of Aaron, had to be of the high priest. So how was Jesus able to be the high priest if he was of the tribe of Judah? You know, How could he be the rightful high priest without being a Levite? Well, the answer is... Uh, found in, in Hebrews uh, chapters number 5, 6, and 7. Look at chapter number 5 and look at verse 6. Chapter number 5 and look at verse 6. Verse 6. Hebrews 5, 6. And he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, what Hebrews is quoting there, and you don't have to turn there, I'll read it for you, but it's quoting Psalms 110. Psalm 110 in verse 4, the Bible says, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So the Bible says that Jesus Christ was able to be a high priest not because he was of the order of the Levites, not because he was born a Levite, but because he was a high priest of the order of Melchizedek. If you look at verse 10 in Hebrews chapter number 5, look at verse 10, the Bible says, Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Look at verse 20 in Hebrews chapter number 6. Verse 20 in Hebrews chapter number 6, the Bible says, uh, Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest, so Jesus was made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Look at chapter number 7 in verse 1. You know, let's let's just uh, try to let's let's answer this this question. Who who was Melchizedek, and why was Jesus Christ 
able to be a high priest of the order of Melchizedek. Well, look at verse number 1 in Hebrews chapter number 7. The Bible says, For Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abram returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So that's referring to Genesis chapter number 14, where we started tonight. Look at verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being, by interpretation, king of righteousness. So the Bible says that Melchizedek was first being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So the Bible says that Melchizedek was the king of righteousness. The Bible says that Melchizedek was the king of peace. Look at verse 3. Now verse 3 is talking about, in the context of Melchizedek, look what it says. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. The Bible says that Melchizedek had no father, he had no mother, he had no descent, he had, no, uh, he had neither beginning of days nor end of life. You know, who does that sound like? Who's the only other person in the entire world who has no mother, who has no father, who has no descent, who has no beginning of days, who, has, who, has no, who is eternal? That is God. The Bible says, Jesus Christ, the Bible in Revelation, I don't have time to, to go through it right now because I've got so many other notes uh, I want to get through tonight. But the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus Christ said, I am the beginning and the end. That Jesus Christ said that He is the root and the offspring of David. The Bible says that Jesus uh, was and is and is to come. The Bible says that He is, uh, uh, that, that, that he is eternal. The Bible, God said in the Old Testament, He said, Moses asked, uh, what, what will I tell the people that, who sent me? And God said, tell them I am that I am. He said, tell Him the, the, the uh, self-existing one. He said, I am present tense. He said, I am. He said, I, 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 I have no beginning. He said, I have no end. I just am. Melchizedek in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter number 14, I believe is an Old Testament appearance of none other than Jesus Christ himself. You say, how was Jesus Christ uh, a priest, you know, a legitimate uh, legit priest? Well, before there even was a priesthood, the Bible says he was a priest of the Most High God in Genesis 14. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ was made a high priest of the order of Melchizedek. Why? Because Jesus Christ was Melchizedek. And if you disagree with that, you know, then, then you've got to explain a few things. You've got to explain, how is there a priest? Because I heard, I heard a preacher say this. He said, I don't believe Melchizedek was Jesus Christ. I believe Melchizedek was a human being who was just a priest at that time. And if you so believe that, then you've got to answer, what human being, other than God in the flesh, would be able to say that they were without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days? I mean, if somebody has no beginning of days, that means they were never created. Does that mean, you understand that? That means they were never conceived. So Melchizedek says, he was never created. He, he has neither beginning of days, nor end of life. Now look, we have no end of life because we've been given eternal life. But Melchizedek says, he was never created and his life will never end. He just exists. Look at verse 4. So Melchizedek is Jesus Christ. Verse 4 says, now consider how great this man was. Referring to Melchizedek. You know, he's saying, look, consider how great Melchizedek was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Look, Abraham, you know, if you think of it kind of in military terms, think of like the ranking system. If you had, you know, all these Bible characters... You know, let's say you just had Moses, let's say you had David, let's say you had, you know, just 
Joshua, let's say you had Paul, let's say you had Peter, and then Abraham walked in the room. You know, using like a military, Abraham would outrank them all. Does that make sense? Abraham was the main guy. You know, if it wasn't for Abraham, there'd be no David. If it wasn't for Abraham, there'd be no Paul. You know what I'm saying? Abraham was the guy who, who God called out and said, Hey, I'm going to start you, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you the promise, and Jesus Christ will come from your loins. And that went down through David and all that, we understand that. But Abraham was like the top-ranking man. Abraham, I mean, no other you know, Old Testament figure would be able to look at Abraham and say, You know, in a way, I outrank Abraham. I, Abraham was, you know, it. He was a five-star general. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, the, and, 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 and in Hebrews 7, 6, or verse 5, I'm sorry, <laughs> verse uh, 4, he says, Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of his poor. Now let me ask you this. Who do, you, who do we give our tithes to? God. You know, it would be blasphemous for us to give our tithes to anyone else. So when Abraham gave his tithes to Melchizedek, he was presenting his tithes to God. Because Melchizedek is God, because Melchizedek is Jesus Christ, and they're all God. It's the same, same person. Look at verse 5. And verily, because we're, we're, we're trying to answer this question, how could Jesus Christ be the high priest if he wasn't a Levi? But look at verse 5. And verily, they that are the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take the tithes of the people according to the law. That is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them, received tithes of Abraham. So who's that? Who has no descent? Melchizedek. He received tithes of Abraham, and blessed him that he had the promise, and without all contradiction, and he says, look, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. And in verse 7 he says, without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. You know, have you ever, have you, you know, in, in the Old Testament, when you see somebody blessing the other, it's always the father blessing the son. It's always the grandfather blessing the grandchildren. It's always the better one blessing the lesser one. And Melchizedek did not get blessed by Abraham. Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Because Melchizedek, you know, using our analogy, outranked Abraham. Why? Because Melchizedek outranks everybody because he's God. Look at verse uh, 9. Oh, actually, uh, look at verse 8. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may say, and as I may so say, Levi also. So now we're going to answer the question: How could you know? How could he be a high priest and not be a Levi? Well, here's why: Levi also, who receiveth tithes. So Levi is the one who's supposed to be receiving the tithes from the people, you know. Because they give the Levites the tithes when they, you know, present their tithes to God. Said Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So he's saying, look, when Abraham met Melchizedek, Levi was still in the loins of Abraham. And when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, Levi, in the fact that he was still in the body of Abraham, paid tithes to Melchizedek. And the point that he's trying to make is this. Don't tell me that Jesus Christ is not a legit high priest because he's not a Levite. Because even the Levites pay tithe to Melchizedek. And, he's a, and Jesus Christ is a high priest of the order of Melchizedek. So what he's trying to say is this. Jesus Christ, Melchizedek, they outrank the Levites. They outrank Abraham. So he can be a high priest because he's a high priest of the order of Melchizedek. Because before there was ever a, high, a priest of the order of the Levites... 
there was Melchizedek in uh, Genesis 14. Um, look at verse 12. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Um, look at verse 11. He says, If, therefore, perfection were by the Levitical priesthood. So he's asking, he's saying, look, if, if, if Jesus is having to be a Levitical priest is so important. He said, if perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the sons of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe to which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there arises another priest, who is made not after the law of carnal commandments, but after the power of an endless life, for he testified, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandments going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. Look at verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. Say, the Levitical law, you know, they, they would say, he has to be a priest under the Levitical law. And he's saying in verse 19, look, the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing of a better hope did. So he's saying, look, the law, you know, didn't do anything but tell you you're a sinner. But tell you that you need a Savior. The law made nothing perfect. You know, Brother Hudson and I were joking around last, uh, on, uh, yesterday around Tony, and I, I had to turn around and I said, I'm going to make a legal U-turn right here, because I just want to, I need to make a U-turn at some point. We're in a residential neighborhood, those in, in traffic. And Brother Hudson, he brought up a real good point, and it was a good point. He said, there's no sign that says, you can't do a U-turn, you know, and, and, and it's true, you know, and without the law, I would never know how I say so. As far as I know, that was a legal U-turn or whatever. And we're joking around about that, but that's what he's saying in verse 19. He said, look, the law made nothing perfect. You can't keep the law and be perfect. He said, but the bringing of a better hope did. So what made us perfect? The bringing of a better hope. What was that hope? Jesus Christ. By the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath, He was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by Him that said unto Him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. So look, he says, Jesus is a better testament than the testament of the law. And they truly were many priests. And look what he says in verse 23. He says, look, there were so many priests, because the high priest would die and then a new priest would take over. And he said, look, there were so many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. He says, this high priest... You know, and there was laws in the Old Testament when the high, you know, and I don't have time to get into it, but there was a, a certain city where someone could flee into, and when the high priest died, whoever was in that city of refuge would be forgiven of their sins, and obviously that's a picture of Jesus Christ also, because we flee into Jesus Christ, and when He died, He was able to give us forgiveness, but they said, look, there were many priests, a priest would die, and they would, another one would take over, they couldn't continue by reason of death, because they kept dying, because they were human beings, but look at verse 24, but this man, because he continueth ever, you know, because he has no beginning and no end, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is 
able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins, and then for the people's sin. For this he did once, when he offered up himself. For the law makes his men high priests, which have infirmity. He says, the law makes a man have an high priest who has an infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law maketh the Son, who is consecrated forevermore. And if you look at verse 15 in Hebrews 4, it says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus Christ was a high priest, tempted just like we are. He can't, you know, it's not that He can't be touched with, with the feelings of our infirmities, it's just that He can't be touched with our infirmities. <laughs> you know, that's what the Bible is saying. He, he, the, the difference between Jesus as a high priest and the Levite as a high priest is that the Levite as a high priest had the infirmities. Jesus could understand the feelings of your infirmities because He was tempted like as we, but the difference was He had no infirmities because He was yet without sin. He was perfect because He's God. So, so you've got to understand this. Melchizedek is not just this random character in the Bible. He's a very important character. Because if Melchizedek did not exist, then, then the Hebrews would have a point, and Jesus would not be a legit high priest, and the, and the sacrifice that was made for us on the cross of Calvary would be null and void. But Jesus was a better high priest than those of the Levitical law, because they, he was a priest of the order of Melchizedek, who is better than the Levites. The Levites paid tithe to Melchizedek while they were yet in the loins of their father Abraham. But let me get kind of change gears and get into a different subject now. Look at verse 19 in Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7, 19. The Bible says, for the, It says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing of a better hope. And look what it says. A better hope did. And look at the last part of that verse. It says, By the which we draw nigh unto God. So the Bible says that the bringing of this better hope allows us to draw nigh unto God. Look at verse 25 in the same chapter. Hebrews 7.25. The Bible says, Wherefore, He is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by Him, that's referring to the high priest, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. So the Bible says that we are saved to the uttermost, and that we're able to come unto God by Him. Because He liveth to make intercessions for us. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that now we, through our high priest, Jesus Christ, are able to draw nigh unto God. Now look, only a priest could come to God in the Old Testament. The people had to go through the priest to get to God. A man like Saul could not just make a sacrifice to God. He had to go through the priest like Samuel in order to be able to draw nigh unto God. The priest would be like the mediator between the man and God. But now the Bible says that we can draw nigh unto God through our high priest. Why is that? Because we, according to the Bible, have been made a priest through Jesus Christ. Go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number 1. 
And I'm going to ask you to move quickly because we're going to look at a lot of verses in the next few minutes. And you've got to move fast so we can get out of here uh, so we're not too late. Uh, but look at Revelation chapter number 1. It's the very first or very last book uh, in the Bible, Revelation chapter number 1. And the doctrine I want to teach you right now is what is known as the priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer. And it's a very important doctrine and we'll, we'll see why that is. But he, Revelation chapter number 1 and look at verse 6. The Bible says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the Bible says that God has made us kings and priests unto God. Go to Revelation chapter number 5 and look at verse 10. Revelation chapter number 5 and look at verse 10. The Bible says, And has made us unto our God kings and priests. So we've been made unto God priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Look at Revelation chapter number 20 and look at verse number 6. Revelation chapter number 20 and look at verse number 6. The Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death, which is being cast into the lake of fire, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The Bible says that those who the second death had no power, which is a saved person, says that they shall be made priests of God. Now go with me please to the book of First Peter, chapter number 2. First Peter, uh, close there to Revelation towards the end of the New Testament. First Peter, chapter number 2, and look at verse number 5. The Bible says, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. And look what he says, And holy priesthood, so he says, he's talking to us, and I'll show you to, to you in a second, but uh, Peter, you know, at the beginning of 1 Peter there, he's saying he's talking to the strangers. And he gives their uh, different nations who he's talking to, he's talking to Gentiles. And he says, hey, you Gentiles, you've been made in holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So he said, now how could a Gentile be made a priest who's, who's not even of Judah, he's not even an Israel, he's just a Gentile. And he says, you've, made, you've been made in holy priesthood to offer up sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now look at 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse 9, the Bible says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. So I hope that's, you know, I showed you a lot of verses there. It's very clear from the scripture that saved people have been made, the Bible says, a priest, or you've been added to the priesthood, or you are in holy priesthood, according to the Bible. Now you've got to ask this question, how is someone made a priest? How, how does someone become a priest? Because the same way that someone was made a priest... In the same fashion, I should say. That someone was made a priest in the Old Testament, a Levite, is the way that someone was made a priest in the New Testament, in, in, you know, in the day we live in now. Go with me to, real quickly. Stay in 1 Peter, because we're going to go back and forth from 1 Peter. So stay in 1 Peter. Keep your finger in 1 Peter. But go with me to Numbers, chapter number 18, in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers, chapter number 18, and verse 6. You know, we got to ask this question. How was someone made a priest? Well, first of all, for someone to be able to be a priest, they had they had to be born into the right family in the Old Testament. They had to be born into the right family. Look at Numbers chapter number eighteen and look at verse number six. Number eight, Numbers eighteen six. The Bible says, "And I." 
Behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel to you and are given as a gift for the Lord to do service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So the Bible says that God took the brethren, He took the Levites and He chose them to do the service of the tabernacle. So, in the Old Testament, in order for you to be a, a priest, you have to be born into the right family. You have to be born a Levite. And then you have to be born of the, of, the, of the family of Aaron as well, to be a high priest. Well, in the New Testament, you got to get born into the right family too. You're there in 1 Peter, look at, just go back to 1 Peter chapter number 1, look at verse 23, real famous verse, I love to quote this verse, it says, being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23, that you have to be, you, that, that we are being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So in the Old Testament, you were a priest, because you were born into the right family. In the New Testament, you were made a priest, by being born again, into the right family, into the lineage of Jesus Christ of Melchizedek. You say, how is it Melchizedek? Because Melchizedek and Jesus Christ are the same person. Not only that, but in the Old Testament, in order to be a priest, you have to be anointed with oil. Go with me to Leviticus chapter number 8. Keep keep your finger or a ribbon or a bulletin somewhere in 1 Peter, because we're going to be coming back to 1 Peter. But go to Leviticus chapter number 8 and look at verse 30. Leviticus chapter number 8 and verse 30. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter number 8 and look at verse... Number 30, tonight is more of a Bible study, I guess, but Leviticus 8.30, the Bible says, And Moses took of the anointing oil, and of the blood which was upon the altar, and sprinkled it upon Aaron, and upon his garments, and upon his sons, and upon his sons' garments with him, and sanctified Aaron, and his garments, and his sons, and his sons' uh, garments with him. So, Leviticus 8.30 tells us that he took of the anointing oil. So, in order for somebody to be a priest in the Old Testament, first they had to be born into the right family, then they had to be anointed with oil. Well, in the New Testament, you have to be born again into the right family, and in the New Testament, you also have to be anointed with oil. But the oil is different. Go with me, we're going to go to 1 Peter in a second, but go with me to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. And look at verse 20. 1 John chapter number 2, and look at verse 20. The Bible says in 1 John 2.20, it says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Look, at, look down at verse number 27, in 1 John chapter number 2, verse 27. So verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. So the Bible says that the same anointing which ye have received. Now I don't have time to develop it. You can study it on your own if you'd like to. But in the Bible, oil in the Old Testament represents the Holy Spirit. And when you get anointed by the oil, that would be a representation today when we got saved. You got anointed with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is that representation of the oil. Alright? Go back with me to 1 Peter chapter number 1. Look at verse 1. I just want you to see this so you, you see that he's not talking to Jews. He's talking to Gentiles. 1 Peter chapter number 1 And look at verse number 1. The Bible says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and uh, Bithynia. So he says, he says the strangers. Now that word strangers there is... 
Today, our modern day word in English for the word stranger would be a foreigner. You know, you think of somebody who's strange as somebody who's foreign, you know. Uh, uh, think about this, for, for those of you who speak Spanish, the, the Spanish word for foreigners is extranjero, which comes from the same root as stranger. You can, you can hear the similarities. Extranjero, stranger, foreigner, comes from the same root word. So Peter was saying, he said, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he said to the strangers, he said to the foreigners scattered throughout, and just, just so you get, you know, if you have any doubt, he gives us names of different cities there, different nations that were Gentiles. He said Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and, and uh, uh, Bithynia. Look at verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And look what he says. Through the sanctification of the Spirit unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you uh, and peace be multiplied. So in the Old Testament you were made a priest by being born into the right family. In the New Testament you were made a priest by being born again into the right family. In the Old Testament you were made a priest by having the oil anointed. Uh, you had to be anointed of the oil. And in the New Testament you are made a priest by being anointed of the Holy Ghost. Not only that, keep your finger, finger in 1 Peter chapter number 1, because we're going to come right back to it. But go with me, go back to Leviticus 8.30. I hope you didn't lose your spot there. Leviticus 8.30. Bible says, And Moses took of the anointing oil and of the blood, which was upon the altar, and sprinkled it upon Aaron. So in the Old Testament, you had to be born into the Levites, you had to be anointed with oil, and they had to take the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle you with it. He literally, Moses would take the blood of the animal that they just sacrificed, and he would sprinkle Aaron, or he would sprinkle the priest, and that's how they became a priest. Leviticus 8.30 And Moses took of the anointing oil and of the blood which was upon the altar, and sprinkled it upon Aaron. Now go back to 1 Peter chapter number 1. And look at verse 2. 1 Peter chapter number 1, and look at verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto the obedience, and look what it says, and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace be unto you, and peace be multiplied. Isn't it amazing how the Bible is just consistent to the T? In the Old Testament, you were made a Levite by being born to the right family. In the Old Testament, you were made a priest by being anointed with oil. In the Old Testament, you were made a priest by having the blood sprinkled of the sacrifice. In the New Testament, we are made priests by being born again into the right family. In the New Testament, we are made priests by being anointed with the Holy Ghost. And no, we're not talking about speaking in tongues and all that garbage. We're talking about you know having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, we are made priests when you got saved because you got the sprinkling, not of the blood of a dead animal, but of Jesus Christ Himself. Because we are made priest of the order of Melchizedek, because we are made priest through Jesus Christ. Say, Pastor Mess, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here's what it has to do. First of all, it does this for you. You know, many people think the book of Leviticus is a boring book, which it really is. It's an interesting book. But the book of Leviticus will open up to you if you realize this, that you are a priest. So the book of Leviticus applies to you. So when God tells the Levites, you know, don't drink wine, hey, that applies to you because you're a priest. When God tells the Levites to live holy, that applies to us, because we're priests too. But not only that, a priest, you know, think about what was a priest in the Old Testament? A mediator. A priest had to go, they couldn't, a person, Saul, couldn't go to God. He had to go through the mediator, through the priest. But now the Bible says that we are priests. So since we are priests, we do not need a priest. Do you understand that? Go back to Hebrews chapter number 4 and look at verse 15. 
Hebrews chapter number 4 and look at verse 15. We're almost done. We're, we're, we're doing good on time, don't worry. Look at Hebrews chapter number 4 and look at verse 15. The Bible says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Look at verse 16. Let us therefore... You know, what is that therefore? The fact that we have a high priest. The fact that we have a high priest that, uh, you know, can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. The fact that we have a high priest that was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. He said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He said, hey, you don't have to go through a priest to get to God. He said, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because you're a priest. You don't need a mediator because you are a priest and you have the mediator, the high priest, Jesus Christ. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Look at verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter number 2 and look at verse 5. The Bible says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible says that there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You know, but today people would say this, I thought the priest was the guy down at, you know, the Catholic Church. I thought that there was a priest that we had to go to. Look, we don't have to go to a priest in order to ask forgiveness. We don't have to go to a priest in order to have them be our mediator between us and God. Because we can go, not Saul couldn't do it in the Old Testament. And those uh, people back in the Old Testament, they couldn't do it. They had to go through their priest. But in the New Testament, you have been made a priest, and you can go to God yourself boldly into the... Uh, the, the, the throne of grace is what the Bible says. Today people think they have to go to a priest. They think they have to go to a man and ask him to forgive you of sins. You know, you know that is blasphemy to ask a man to forgive you of sins. You don't have to turn there. I'll read this for you. The rest of the verses, uh, for, for the rest of the, the... I might have to have you turn to some of them, but I'm just going to read them to you quickly. But uh, Mark 2.5 says this, When Jesus saw their faith, He said unto the sick apostles, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there was turn of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now they were wrong when they said that. They were right, but they were wrong. Let me explain to you why. They didn't believe Jesus was God. So they said this man is speaking blasphemies because no one can forgive God can forgive sins except God. Now they're correct in the fact that no one can forgive sins except God. They were wrong in the fact that he wasn't blaspheming because Jesus was God. Okay, so Jesus could forgive sins, and and, and we preached that story before, and I'm not going to get into it. But the statement they made this is a true statement: Who can forgive sins but God only? And if Jesus, if if it would have been said of anybody other than Jesus Christ. They would have been right. Any man who says they can forgive sins is blaspheming because only God can forgive sins. And a priest at the Catholic Church or anywhere cannot stand up and say, you know, you go into confessional booth and you confess your sins to this man and he says, oh, do this and do that and, and he forgives your sins. That's blasphemy. Because only God can forgive sins. We don't need a priest. We don't have to go to a priest and ask forgiveness. You know, people think they need a mediator. They, th- they think they need to, you know... Uh, my wife was, tell, was telling me this. My wife was raised Catholic. And she said, you know, they were taught to pray to saints. You know, and they had certain saints for certain things. If you lost something, you pray to a certain, you know, saint, so-and-so. You know, I, I can't remember what the name of them was. So if you lost your keys, you prayed to a certain saint. If you, uh, you know, needed something, you, you had these different saints that you would pray to. And, they, and you would pray to the saint. You know, the Bible, the Bible says we pray to God. Not a saint. Because we don't have to go through a mediator. 
Now let me read for you a few verses, because, you know, something doesn't make sense about this whole saint thing. And the thing is this, you know, you got to ask this question, who are the saints? And you need to know this, because you might deal with people, you know, so when you're just people you work with, and they might say something to you, and you, and you got to, you know, be able to teach them, you know, who are the saints? And the Bible teaches us very clearly, the saints are Christians. Let me read some verses for you. Acts 9.13 says this, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to the saints at Jerusalem. Now, just so you get the context, Ananias is speaking about Saul. And God just told Ananias, go get Saul saved. I just threw him off his horse. He's blind. He's waiting. He needs somebody to lead him to the Lord. So Ananias, but Ananias says this. He says, Lord, man, I've heard so much about this man how and all the evil that he's done to the saints at Jerusalem. Notice he said he did evil to the saints. Acts 8.30 says this. As for Saul... He had made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men. Women committed uh, them to prison. So Ananias said, look, this guy is doing evil things to the saints. Later on it says, or before that, I'm sorry, it says that Paul was wrecking havoc of the church. So when he says that Paul was, he made havoc of the church, and then it said he's, he's, he's doing evil to the saints, you know, why is that? Because the church is the saints. Because the congregation are the saints. Is the saint some picture, some guy we put up in the wall and we pray to him? No. The saint is the church. It's us. You say, you need more proof. Okay, look at Acts uh, 26.10. Which things I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against, I gave my voice against them. So Paul said, hey, I put many of the saints in prison. Why? Because he was putting the church in prison. Romans 1.7 says this, To all uh, that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he told the church in Rome, he said, Hey, you've been called to be saints. 1 Corinthians 1.2 says this, In the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. He said, hey, you church at Corinth, you've been called to be saints. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says this, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all the churches of the saints. Are you trying to see the, you know, the common denominator? Every time he says, he talks about a saint, he associates the church with it. Why? Because the congregation, the called out assembly, the born again believers that make up the church are also the same people that are the saints in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 1.1 says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are at, uh, in all Icaia. Ephesians 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful Christ in Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 4.11 says this, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see the connection? He said, for the work of the saints, for the perfecting of the body of Christ. What's the body of Christ? The church. Now, let me ask you this. If the saints are these really good Christians that already died and now they've been given sainthood and we can pray to them, why did God give them pastors for the perfecting of the saints? If they're already in heaven and they're already saved. They need to be perfected because they're on earth. They need to be perfected because it's us. Romans 8, 4 says this, And the smoke of the incense, which was uh, incense, which came with the prayers of the saints... I'm sorry, I skipped some verses. Uh, Philippians 1, 1. Let me read this. 
Paul and Timotheus. Actually, go, go with me to go to Revelation 8.4. I'm going to read for you a few verses while you go to Revelation chapter number 8 and verse 4. Philippians 1.1 1, 1 says this, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. So he said, look, all the saints that are at Philippi. Colossians 1.2 says this, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I mean, is it pretty clear from the Bible? He says, the saints at Colossae. He says, the, at, uh, the saints at Philippi. He says, the saints at Ephesus. He says, the saints at Rome. He says, he, he keeps talking about the church and the body of Christ uh, as the saints. Why? Because the saints are Christians. You are a saint. You're looking at a saint. But look at Revelation 8.4. I think this is funny. Revelation 8.4. The Bible says, And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Now hold on a second. Because if you, if you, you know, the Catholic Church taught me that we pray to the saints. Romans 8.4 says that the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints. So which one is it? Do the, pray, do the saints pray, or do we pray to the saints? You see that? Why is it saying that the saints pray? Because we're the saints. <laughs> because we pray. We're praying to God, and our prayers go up to God, because we're the saints. So, we don't pray to the saints, the saints pray to God. That's what the Bible says. And, you know, so you say, well, who are the, all those saints that they put the pictures up to, and they put their pictures on a candle, and we light their candle, and we pray to them? Look, that's just idolatry. That's all, all it is. Same as a crucifix. It's just idolatry. And the Bible says this, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. It's, it's, it's idolatry to make a picture, or to have a picture, or to have a graven image of somebody, and we shouldn't pray to a saint, because we don't have to go through anybody to get to God. I'm a priest. I don't have to go through a priest to get to God. I don't have to go through a saint to get to God. You know, how about this? I don't have to go through Mary to get to God. You know, the Catholic Church calls Mary the mediatrix. You say... You know, what does that mean? Well, you know, I looked it up. Let me read this for you. It says, this is a quote. It recalls the name given to the Messiah and listens to it spoken with tender sweetness by His mother. It invokes peace for the world, Christ's peace, and does so through Mary, mediatrix and co-operator of Christ. And, and that's end of quote. And that was a quote taken from the official Vatican website. They called Mary the mediatrix and the co-operator of Christ. Now later on they go to say, well, she's a co-operator. That doesn't mean she's, you know, uh, equal with Christ. It just means she works with Christ. Now hold on a second. If I'm a co-owner of a business, am I just working for somebody? No. I, that means I'm equal with them. And they called her the co-operator of Christ. And they called her, they called her the mediatrix. Another website said this. Mediatrix... In Roman Catholic Mariology, refers to the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary as a mediator in the salvation process. Now, isn't that just worlds apart from 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus? I mean, they said that the mediatrix is referring, to that, that title is referring to a role as the mediator in the salvation process. It's saying that, Mary gets us saved being our mediator in the salvation process completely worlds apart from what the Bible teaches. For there is one mediator 
For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Why do I not need a mediator? Why do I not need a priest? Why do I not need to pray to a saint? Why do I not need to uh, pray to Mary, the mediatrix? Here's why. Because I'm a priest. Because you're a priest. Because I'm a saint. Because you're a saint. And we can go in and boldly to the uh, throne of grace. We preached this morning a uh, sermon on on prayer. And I'm not going to re-preach it. But, you know, if you have the... You know, in the Old Testament, people would have loved to be able to just go in boldly to the throne of grace. and, and, And have access to God. And we have access to God now. We should take full advantage of that. But I, I wanted you, like I said, uh, tonight was more of a Bible study, I guess. But I wanted you to, to learn a few things, and I want you to understand. When you read about Melchizedek in Genesis, when you read about him in Psalms, when you read about him in Hebrews, he's not just this character that just kind of shows up. There's a reason why he's there, and it's very important. Melchizedek, if there was no Melchizedek, we could not be saved. Because if there was no Melchizedek, the, the, the Hebrews would be right. Jesus Christ couldn't be a high priest, because he's not a Levite, he's from Judah, but he's better than a Levite. He's a priest of the order of Melchizedek, and, and along with that, since we have been made priests through Jesus Christ, because we're not Levites, we're Gentiles, then guess what? I'm a priest of the order of Melchizedek also. And you're a priest of the order of Melchizedek also, because we've been made priests through Jesus Christ. And therefore, we, don't, we, we have full access to God, and we don't have to go through a mediator. We just go through the high priest. Because there's only one high priest, Jesus Christ. You know, even in the Old Testament, there's only one high priest. There was many priests, there's only one high priest. And the priest could do certain things, but the high priest could only, he's the one that had to do the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And we're all priests, but Jesus Christ is a high priest, who, he was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and then he also performed the role of the high priest, and gave us salvation. So, I hope you learned something about Melchizedek, and I hope you understand that, and maybe as you're reading through the Bible, you'll, you'll understand the importance of Melchizedek. Uh, let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much.